Time once again for your JDSA Law Talk with the folks over at JDSA Law talking once again with Jordan Miller. Jordan, thanks for being back here in studio. A pleasure, Clint. Thank you. Talking about a number of different aspects of law. Last week, we talked about the prospect of adoption, and that's a happy thing. Um, Here, we're talking about something that, frankly, could be a mixed bag. We're talking about what we should know about non-parental custody, making sure kids are in the best situation possible for themselves, whether that's the parent, whether that's not the parent and in what circumstances do the parent get their rights back to have their children so let's just start out with some definitions here what exactly are we talking about when we talk about non-parental custody well Clint, it's a great question and probably the most basic explanation is it's a scenario where a judge is allowed to enter a court order that removes a child from the care and custody of their parents and places them with a third person this is not a simple situation. No, they 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 don't arise because of um, sugar sugar plums and, and rosy right. rosy days. But no, I guess what I'm what I'm saying is, I mean, there are certain legal there are certain legal procedures that are fairly cut and dry, and then there are others that are just a web. I mean, a, a really really complex. I would have to imagine that these sorts of situations shade more towards the latter than the former. You're absolutely correct, Clint. The standards that are applicable because of a parent's fundamental constitutional right to be a parent to their children children, the standards are are the highest possible in the law and the determinations that the court has to make require in-depth analysis and, and very, very careful scrutiny. Tell me why some parents lose their custody rights. Well, there's two bases uh, under the law and, and they're, they're simple. Um, first, a parent doesn't have custody of their child. If neither parent has the child in their care and someone else has been doing the job, that person can go to court and say, hey, this child is in my care. I want you to give me some legal authorities to do the the job that I'm already doing. The alternative is, even if the parents are actually caring for the child, if they're unfit to do the job, then another person can step in and, and gain custody. Unfit is an interesting word. Define unfit. The The definition in Washington is the incapable of meeting the basic needs of the child. What I envision and what the court cases tend to show is that we're talking about mistreatment, uh, potential actual abuse, um, not providing care or nourishment, uh, childs who don't have uh, adequate hygiene. These types of scenarios can, can show a court that a parent is incapable of meeting those basic needs for the child. I would have to imagine that given the state's uh, constitutional uh, mandate, essentially, to make sure that uh, the parent and child relationship is the highest and best relationship that needs to be either repaired or or sought um, under most circumstances, that when we're talking about third party custody, there's no such thing as permanency here. Well, that's that's certainly my interpretation. And I think it's really supported by um, probably the most recent case law in this in this area. It came down just last December. And one of the things we try and do is become uh, educated on all of the developments in the law. And in that case, the court commented fairly straightforwardly that the concept of non-parental custody is never permanent and a parent always has at least the right to come back and ask. Now, I have to imagine there are a few uh, elements that could arise more primal emotion in a human being than the prospect of a parent losing their child, regardless of how fit that parent is. Um, nothing would inspire someone who hasn't exactly been on the straight and narrow to at least try to straighten up and fly right than the prospect of losing your kids. So knowing that, 
How exactly does a judge determine third-party custody? Well, first, again, they have to establish uh, preliminarily whether there's an adequate basis to even consider the prospects. And that's where the demonstration that neither parent has the child and or uh, you make a prima facie, a, a very basic showing that the parents may meet the unfit standard. If that's the case, then the court orders the parties to come before the judge and present testimony and evidence. And if the court determines that the, the child will risk actual detriment if being placed in the custody of the parents, then that court has the legal authority to designate a third person as the custodial parent and provide visitation or not for that actual biological parent. Let's say you're a parent and you have actually lost custodial rights to your child. How do you gain them back? Well, the law allows you to petition for a modification of the current custody decree or order. And in that scenario, you go back to court. And this is where it gets, again, a little bit murky in these scenarios. Sometimes uh, the cases show that a parent has to meet that same adequate cause standard to show that they've substantially changed their circumstances. And as a result of those circumstances changing, it's in the child's best interest to return the child to the biological parent. Um, are there any other issues that currently that, that usually come up in these sorts of things? Well, uh, primarily you're looking at uh, scenarios where the parents have, for whatever reason, put themselves in a position where they, they do meet these legal definitions and standards. And, and what the judge really has to fundamentally look at is at the time when they're appearing in front of that that court, uh, do those standards apply to that parent? And if not, um, the court's going to err on the side of returning the children to the parent. But because the issues are severe, uh, severe mental health and emotional issues, uh, drug impairment, substance abuse issues, the ability of a parent to remediate those, those circumstances, it, it's just difficult. Let me give you a theoretical situation here. You tell me uh, how, how best it goes about. Let's say there is a parent that has struggled with substance abuse issues. They've lost the ch custody of their child. They have demonstrated sobriety, let's say over six months, a year, whatever. Uh, and they get custody of their children back. But then let's say two years down the line, they relapse um, and they lose custody of their kids again. Does each subsequent try for this parent, are they afforded, for lack of a better term, a little less rope, have you seen? That would be my experience, Clint. Yes. Again, because of the fundamental rights of the parents, the court errs on the side of placing them, uh, placing the children with them. But because of the nature of these ongoing, say, an addiction scenario, um, if you continue to show that despite brief periods or even reasonably, you know, reasonable periods of sobriety that you can't maintain that long term, then I think it's a lot easier for a court to make that call that you're either unfit or that you place the child at risk and not risk of actually placing the child in a situation where they're suffering detriment. detriment. J JDSA Law Talk with Jordan Miller of JDSA Law. Anything you'd like to add? Anything that we missed before we let you go? I mean, we could probably spend hours talking about this here. Yes, yes, we can. And, and in, in cases where I work on this, this subject matter, we do with the parents. Um, fundamentally, this is such an important decision and such a complicated issue that it is important to seek out at least advice on, on whether you should proceed and how to proceed before you jump into to this kind of scenario. Jordan, thanks so much. We appreciate it. And we'll catch you again right here uh, next time. Looking forward to it, Clint. Thank you.